Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And now, in in the quest to figure out how to format the intro correctly, I'm kind of just sitting here on my laurels, like, looking back at all the great bits we've done in the past and being like, man, are we going to sacrifice all those great bits just to start talking about the movie instantly? And I guess for now we are, you know? I think, I mean, it's it's tricky, right? Because I think the bits in the beginning are good for returning, but not good for new listeners. Yeah. So, and yeah. And if you don't know our personality, the beginning might sound real and not like a bit. And we're not going to say, let's start off with the intro. What are we doing? We don't need to announce every segment. Actually, you know what? Every from now on until I, I'm comfortable enough doing an intro bit, I'm just gonna give one small defense on why we're keeping the intro bits. Intro because like I gave I talked about it a little bit last week, and then I imagine that the people who are like, oh, I just want them to start talking about the movie has never listened to a podcast before. Because I've never listened to a podcast where they don't do some sort of irrelevant intro before they do what they meant to do so well i think a lot of people spend their time with their intro like introducing each other now we say each other's name but like we don't say who we are what we're doing the goal of the podcast you know i actually i do say that i do say the goal of the podcast at the very beginning it's the first thing i say whatever (laughs) but like i don't know there could be more exposition you know i think the only people that don't need exposition are like solo podcasters because you're there for them so like joe rogan's not worried about it he's like it's me and the guests guest chains every week joe rogan's not worried about much which is what's concerning the rest of us right so (laughs) and then there's a bunch of other like when when you have one dude talking it's whatever now when we have themes maybe we should explain the themes movie club and improv what does that mean bro i don't know Listen, I'm not an audience <laughs> member. I don't even listen to our podcast. So I don't have the answers. I'm just, the answer I'm just freestyling. Is what I say goes. And for now, we're going to leave it. And then next week, I I'm go- I don't know what I'm going to do next week. But that's for next week. Right now, we are talking about the movie Rush Hour. The 1998 classic. And this is week three of our Jackie Chan July deep dive. Okay, it's, you've been you know, saying Jackie, Jackie, Jan- Jan- Jackie Chan July. Jackie July. And then you say the month dedicated to Jackie Chan. It The alliteration is important and we're ruining it with the Chan. I mean, if you want to take it that personally, you can. Okay. Well, this is the third episode of our Jackie July month where we follow all of the iconic Jackie Chan movies. And by all of them, I mean four of them. And we're covering <laughs> Rush Hour, the 1998 classic. There are two more and possibly a third one in development. And it's a banger, bro. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about it in depth, no holds barred. If you don't want to hear us talk about this and move on to the next segment, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 20 minutes, 41 seconds. Now, Rush Hour, 1998 classic Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, is a 1998 comedy, and there are certain parts where you can tell it was a 1998 comedy. Yeah. A lot of it is just like, I mean, this is a formula that's tried and true. Let's put two characters who have no business working together and force them to work together and compete 
complete a mission. So they chose Jackie Chan, a Chinese police officer, um, and an LAPD cop played by Chris Tucker. Now, those don't make sense. And to be honest, Chris Tucker wasn't even the first choice. There was like five choices before him. It was like Martin Lawrence, I think Dave Chappelle was in the running, Eddie Murphy, Will Smith, and Tupac were all in line before him. So has Tupac ever did did Tupac act? Was Tupac ever, did he ever have an acting career? Yeah, he did a couple movies. Um, but I don't think he would have been funny. I can't imagine Tupac as a comedian like Chris Tucker. Um, and he did an, Chris Tucker did an amazing job, bro. Chris and the chemistry Tucker is ridiculous. I I'm gonna go so far as to say that Chris Tucker carries this movie. He is hilarious, and we're forced to have Jackie Chan as the straight man. But like, he's sometimes funny and you can't have two funny people that's like when you know uh what's that short black dude i like don't like comedian kevin kevin hart kevin hart whenever he's in a movie he's never the straight man but he can't you can't have them playing across from two people who are trying to be funny he's got to be the funny guy um so it is what it is you know I never felt like they were competing for comedy, right? Because when you have two comedians, you know, when neither of them are the straight man, that's what it ends up feeling like is they're competing for jokes. Right. But even though Jackie Chan has some legitimate comedic moments, I still feel like he's the straight man. And his comedy is played off the fact that he is the more serious character between the two of them. So he'll do jokes, he'll mess around, but I never feel like he's breaking character or trying to steal the scene. Right. But I mean, like, Chris Tucker is so funny. He is. I think that's one of the reasons it works, is he's hilarious, and most of his, like, dialogue is improvised, so it sounds very natural. Yes, it, it really does. Um, The action in this movie, you know... Jackie Chan, there's, you know, you're not going to have no action in this movie, is good. There's not as much of it as there is, as you would expect in like a, what you would consider like a typical Jackie Chan film. But when the action does come around, it delivers, I think, in a very strong fashion. You know, I think the the biggest highlight from this movie, maybe the best scene in this movie, is the scene in the upstairs of the Chinese restaurant. Right. Um, like, yeah, because they bust. It's probably the most iconic, if not up there. Um, Probably right next to, like, the pool scene in the yeah. pool hall. Um, But this one's up there because, like, immediately guns go off and, like, are can't be used anymore so there's a couple shots like actual firing of the guns and then they're immediately discarded and now we have to watch you know martial martial arts which is jackie chan's um forte and not so much chris tucker's so you watch a normal dot a guy throwing punches and kicks and seeing how that looks and then the scene kind of reaches this equilibrium between the two of them where they figure out how to complement each other's fighting styles and they start fighting cooperatively instead of just in the same room together. And it also, you know, them fighting together in harmony is also a good character moment because this is kind of the first time that their characters like actually cooperate and see eye to eye on the same situation and are able to tackle a problem together because, you know, up to this point, they were, you know, resistant to each other, didn't get along with each other. And this scene that happens, you know, maybe 45, 50 minutes into the movie is like, 
okay, we have a common goal and this is how we can work together to solve it. Right. And I think another cool part about this movie is all the action scenes. You get to watch Chris Tucker do the exact same thing that Jackie's doing, just funny. And then you watch Jackie Chan, a legit pro, doesn't need stuntmen doing the same thing seriously. So that um, juxtaposition is, it's funny and cool at the same time. Yeah, for sure. There's also a lot of straight up 90s humor. And I think yeah. most of it holds up. Yes, I agree. This movie is funny. Like a lot of it is just straight up funny. Yeah, there's a lot of it. You'd be like, well, there's a lot of, a lot of times when there's questionable comedy in the 90s. It's because like white dudes are doing it. But when you have two minorities making fun of each other, it just feels okay. It the feels like, the, hey, we're going to co-sign each other. I do want to say the one thing that still makes this a little questionable is that both of the writers were white. And yeah. so I understand that there is an element of like, yes, everyone is co-signing on this. But watching the scene in the pool hall where you see Chris Tucker set up what is guaranteed to be the most, uh, you know, the most offensive joke in the movie. And you can see from 400 miles away and you're just like, I wonder who wrote that joke. And you look and it's two white people. You're like, huh. All right. I guess that's expected. Right. But I mean, I mean, this was 30 years ago. So like. If you're looking at who wrote it, then it's holding up. Because if it's funny and the only issue we have is who came up with the joke, then the joke holds up. Because if you if they would have been black writers, the joke might still have been there. It might have been just a different joke, but it's still funny. It still holds up. There's a bunch of other stuff like the when they're singing outside of the car war. And then when yeah. they're doing the uh, handgun disarming, all that mm-hmm. Holds up. Yes, definitely. All right. What do you want to tell you about the plot? So if you are interested in the actual story of this movie, it's like there. This movie does have a story that you can follow. Um, uh, Chris Tucker was an LAPD agent and he's like, good. He's one of those. I don't need a partner. Blah, 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 blah. And but my but my chief of police doesn't like that. So in an attempt to kind of like sideline him but also sideline jackie chan's character the fbi sticks them together in an attempt to as i said keep them out of the way from the main investigation which is going on which is this foreign diplomat's daughter gets kidnapped and everyone and their mother is trying to find this person except for jackie chan and chris tucker who are not allowed to and this movie is about them doing it anyway So you see like a little bit of like police detective work. It's a very small amount of this movie, but it's there. Like you see them interrogate prisoners and like uh, former suspects and stuff like that. And I like that this movie wasn't just jokes in action. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the story isn't inventive, but it's there and it's nice and it's neat. Yeah, I, I like it too, because like there are emotions. The background of the story is Jackie Chan genuinely cares about this kidnapped girl, genuinely cares and has a vested interest in making it happen. And Chris Tucker um, is like, this is my job and I want to be taken seriously and no one's taking me seriously. Um, and they learn to work together pretty quickly. And once you realize, oh, that's not like the big focus. The big focus is us two against everybody else. I think the story goes a lot smoother because I think this movie could have been ruined if the whole movie we were they were bickering and fighting and all this stuff until like the last scene where they finally work it out. I'm glad they worked it out early and then it was them against everybody else. 
Yeah, because these two have like such undeniable chemistry. It would have been weird if they didn't get along almost immediately. So the fact that like the last half of this movie is just kind of them having fun on the job is like, even though they're still butting heads, um, it's, there's still a, an undeniable chemistry there that makes this movie flow and just work. And it makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice that there's not a lot of slow points. I was never checking my phone, seeing how much was left. It just made sense. Um, it helps yeah. that it's a shorter movie, yes. but it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's an hour and like thirty minutes and some change. It yeah. feels like it, and it never drags, and you're never wondering how much is left because it's very smooth. It makes sense. You never feel like we're spending too much time in one setting. It it's evolving, and it dude, it's a good movie. Um, so I rented this on YouTube, which means. You know it. There are YouTube comments. Are you ready to go through a few of them? Let's do it. Now, I think the last time we went through YouTube comments on a movie was for The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, like 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, man, I just I missed this content because it's so good. Uh, I remember when this premiered on TNT Network back in 2001. Why is that a thing you remember? Are there no other important points in your life that you could remember Anything else? Yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking through like IMDb stuff. Everyone's loving this movie. I'm scrolling. Yeah, I'm scrolling this movie's through. great. It's a good movie. I'm trying. I'm gonna find the bad reviews because those are people. Okay. Don't I want to. I, I also want to read this comment, which is, "Man, the nostalgia! I loved Rush Hour as a kid, especially the second one. Kind of makes me depressed when I thought about it. Life was better back then. This movie will remain a classic." Dude, some of these people are like <laughs> a big disappointment. Um, boring film. I mean, were we watching the same movie? It's like this movie is a feature-length misery. Hollywood sellout. I literally don't know what they're talking about. Because also in here, they're like, but Chris Tucker was pretty good. Then don't give it a one star, you imbecile. A one I star? also love when people just use words because they know that they're relevant. Like, oh, just a Hollywood sellout. How? You can say this movie isn't funny. Fine. But like, it's not cluttered with product placement there's not a bunch of cameos yeah so like if you want to call this movie bad fine but it's not a sellout you just know that word associated with hollywood this this review this person's 100 a hateful person they're dropping the f-bomb and not the four-letter one quite a few times so we're gonna disqualify them because (laughs) they probably don't know what they're talking about i mean Dude, the people who don't like this movie are probably not the people you want to hang out with. I'm starting to realize, going through these, I'm like, oh, this is not a good person. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, we can dissect each individual joke in this movie all we want, but that's no fun for you or us. But I do love reading just fun internet comments. Uh, For example, (laughs) I love all the Chinese jokes on this movie. Uh, Pre-2008 movies were the best. Okay, that I mean, guy's probably racist. <laughs> not, not only is this guy racist, like you, you, you pointed out 2008, a year, ten years after this movie came out. Yeah. I want to know what movies came out post 2008, where you're just like, man, 2009, the year cinema died. But like when people say that kind of stuff, it's just like I remember when people used to say the n word and not get in trouble. 
the cancel culture sucks. I'm like, okay, my dude, whoa. chill out. Whoa. whoa, guys, whoa. I'm like, and in case you were curious, the like to dislike ratio is 6.8 thousand likes to 500, 585 dislikes. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I I'm am cool too. With it. I like, I think a lot of it, some of this movie doesn't hold up, but it's because I think a lot of people aren't cutting this movie any slack. They're holding it to the same standards as now. And guess what? Comedies now aren't this funny. Like, it's hard to do comedy and have it be funny to everybody. Like, it's just, it's just difficult. Um, I mean, I remember even, like, Marvel movies are trying. Like, Ragnarok was just funnier. Um, there's, like, quips throughout all of them. 50 of, 50% of them land. You can't bat a 1,000 when you're trying to make people laugh. No, absolutely not. And that's why people complain about Marvel movies. It's like they don't – they almost never take themselves seriously, which when you're Rush Hour, you don't have to take yourself seriously because that's the point of the movie is it is supposed to be a comedy. Like there's a scene in the very beginning, which is one of my favorite scenes. There's a guy driving away with a car full of C4, and he shoots the trunk. It blows up and he starts dancing. And that's, yeah, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And it sets that the tone for the whole movie. That opening scene with Chris Tucker is, it genuinely is a make or break moment. Because if you watch the first 10 minutes of this movie and you watch the scene where Chris Tucker is an undercover cop and he's trying to make that arrest. And if you're, because by that point you had also seen a Jackie Chan scene. So if you didn't like the Jackie Chan scene and you didn't like this Chris Tucker scene you're watching now, just dip. Because yeah. that's all it is. Dude, it's just, it's good jokes, bro. And I think, I now I want to watch more Chris Tucker movies. I own I was all... about to ask, do you mm-hmm. know, like, what are other Chris Tucker movies? I don't know them off the top of my head. Besides, like, the other Rush Hours? Well, yeah. Um, So, the, he was uh, in Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. Um, which is not, it's got funny parts in it, but he's not funny. It's not a comedy. Um, He's in... Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, he's in Fifth Element. He's in Friday. So if you like this movie, okay. you'd like him in Friday, which is the Ice Cube movie. I was about to say, you're listing a bunch of movies that are not really Rush Hour. Yeah. So if you want to see him in a movie like Rush Hour, before Rush Hour, in uh, 95, three years earlier, he did Friday with Ice Cube. And he's the same guy. Except was he's- he a stand-up? Yeah, he does stand-up comedy okay. as well. Okay. I think he just released something like within the past five years. It's Dude, he's just a funny guy, and he's so charismatic. You just want to be cool with him. He's just awesome. For sure. Definitely. So, anything yeah. else to add about this movie? I, I don't know. I think that's it. Uh, I'm looking through his filmography, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> he did Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3, and Silver Linings Playbooks. Like, that's his, like, the the four most recent movies he did were those four movies. Right. I think it's also because he's like, I don't need to be a movie star. Sure. I'm just, like, I'm trying to be funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, he's freaking, freaking fire. He's also best friends with Michael Jackson. So, like, he's in, like, some of his... Still? Well, he was best friends. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he was... He didn't stop being Michael Jackson's friend. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he has that in his stand-up. He's in one of his uh, music videos, and he's got a lot of Michael Jackson stories. He's just a cool guy, bro. I want to be friends with him. 
All right, well, we'll send this to him as soon as we get his manager's email address, and we will follow up with you on how the journey to being Chris Tucker's friend goes. Sweet. Until then, I'm giving this movie... I know, it's weird, because when, when you praise a movie like this so much, like, I think it's like a set... It's We're going to give the same it, score, I have a feeling. It's like a, it's either like a seven and a quarter or a seven and a half, right? I'm give it, I gave it a seven and a quarter. Yeah, because when we praise a movie for, you know, 15 minutes, it feels weird to, like, quote, unquote, Not only give it, like give a, it a seven and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact of this matter is, like, it's a very simple comedy. And like we said before, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It just knows what is it what it is and does it very well. So it's not mind-blowing, but it is good comedy. Yeah. Comedies are hard to do. Having a 10 out of 10 comedy is very difficult because it can't just be a 10 out of 10 for jokes. It needs to be 10 out of 10 for jokes and some other stuff. If this was rated purely on jokes, yeah, it'd be like an 8, 9, or 10. But there's other stuff going on. So, so yeah, 7 and a quarter. 7 and a quarter, bro. All right, moving on to our improv segment. I feel like we haven't done this one in a minute. Uh, this is PR training. This is when Alex and I will question each other like a press conference. And it is up to the other person who is, you know, a PR representative to do their best to spin the questions and, you know, s- save the reputation of the person that they are representing. Yeah, man. Uh, it's crowd favorite. We haven't done this in a while. And uh, we'll see how we do. See if we still got it. Yeah. Do you want to be in the press conference or do you want to be the PR rep? Oh, dude, I want to be in the press conference. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, uh, thanks for showing up. Um, I'm Craig. Uh, I am the representative for Permanent Handle. So if you have any questions or concerns, you know, this this is your time to ask. Just let me know. Hello, uh, Craig. Um, you're representing both entities of permanent are you just representing permanent handle or permanent yeah just permanent handle nope just 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 permanent handle well nothing else speaking of the podcast you said some pretty controversial stuff in the first couple episodes and we just like to touch on that yeah um i know actually i don't know i would love for you to elaborate well there seems to be a few podcasts where you quote unquote say you were forced to be the bad guy by your co-host, but then continue to participate in things. You have uh, a couple Asian uh, references here that you might not have used slurs, but it doesn't look good. Um, there are some anti-feminist slander that again okay, in I the podcast. Okay, I just want to say real quick, mm-hmm. I can definitely see that you are. It look. It looks like you're trying to read something off your hand. Did you write something in Sharpie on your hand and you're trying to read it off that? Why didn't you just bring like a pencil and paper? Sir, can we focus on you? Um, and I'm just saying like the sweat can like smudge the ink on your hand and like you're probably not reading what you initially wrote correctly because, you know, obviously permanent handle 10 out of 10, you know, perfect woke candidate you know pedestal for everything he is the white knight so if you think that he's done anything wrong in his entire career then i think that you need to take a look inside the inside the mirror and really think what does this say about me that i'm trying to find something wrong with him so why don't why don't you Excuse choke me? on that next question uh chris from fox news um on some recent episodes you seem to recall your co-host past so much like you're trying to get us to forget about your past you constantly bring up his controversial statements what do you have to say about this hypocrite hypocrite 
You know hypocrisy? what I mean. I'm from Fo- I'm I'm from Fox News. I can't read. <laughs> Cut me some slack, dude. Okay. Now I I see I see what you're saying. You know, in between waves of different podcast recordings, you know, some people kind of like their perspectives change a little bit. Uh, what people people's understandings of things change a little bit. And I think that Permanent Handle just kind of likes to help his co-host understand that, you know, everything is about growth. Everything is about learning. Everything is about recognizing your mistakes, in which my client has none. Uh, next question. Uh, hello, this is Candace from CNN. Um, I have a couple questions, basic questions to test to see if you're really a liberal, um, if, you wouldn't, <laughs> okay. if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, um, sure, why not? would be, did you or did you not? Um, rig the election. Rig the election. Okay. Now, I know this is going to sound bad, but yes, I did participate in rigging the election. Perfect. I just... That's no explanation needed. We just wanted to make sure you were on our side. Um, Two, would you or would you not like to have Joe Biden as your grandfather? As my grandfather. You know what? I bet he would take me on some killer ice cream trips. So I'm going to say yes for that alone. And three... What do you think a social justice warrior smells like? Because in some previous interview, you said they never showered um, in order to preserve the chemicals that would be released into the ocean during a bathing experience. I feel like this whole press conference kind of had like an attitude about itself decided before I even walked out here. So I feel like we're trying to find your political reviews because I can't help but notice I'm sitting next to some Fox News reporters. And that seems to be contrary to the woke agenda you seem to be pushing on your podcast. Okay, okay, okay. First of all, I just want to get one thing clear. We are not pushing any agenda. You know, a lot of people say, oh, Craig's all about the gay agenda. It's more like a gay suggestion. I just want you to know that the wait a second. Hold up. Hold up. This is uh. Roger from TMZ, did you just say that you're gay, sir? Well, I didn't not say it, I guess. Oh my gosh, you know? we got an exclu- we're gonna need to get an yeah. exclusive. We're gonna Go need for to get it. An you know what? Hey, meet me up back in the dark alley behind the building. You and I can have the exclusive all you want. All right, next question. <laughs> Hello, this is Jasmine with your entertainment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what network you work for? Listen, I started about 30 minutes ago when the girl in front of me quit. So I'm still learning the ropes. I was just an intern. All Um, right. Fair enough. Do you have maybe a different question for me? I don't. Have I asked a question yet? I meant just kind of in in the tone of the room. I feel Uh, like we've kind of been hitting the same note this whole time. Like maybe we can. Sure. Um, Does Permanent Handle, wide known podcaster, Mm -hmm. um, agree or disagree with the current environment of podcasting right now because on previous podcasts he claims that this is the best podcast or that for some reason he has the best listeners and we've looked at the polls and i can't find any evidence to back that up so is he faking the numbers or exaggerating for what purpose so i just want to get one thing straight real quick um the claim the claim that we are the best podcast is simply not true uh, what what we like to talk about is we like to claim that we are guaranteed to be your third favorite podcast at least. And so that kind of gives us some wiggle room in terms of like legitimacy. And so don't come at me for that. However, to talk about the environment of podcasting itself, um, it 
sucks. It sucks. There's lots of uh, people who think they can podcast, do three to six episodes, realize uh, they don't like it as much as they thought they would, and then, you know, kind of trail off without any real explanation to the people that were genuinely interested into their content. But, you know, what am I? A man? Who knows? Speaking of... Oh, final question, actually. Yeah. We're going to close down this interview. Um, My name is Johnny. Um... I'm representing myself and <laughs> okay. uh, pulling up to this interview, you ran over my dog and I just wanted to know how you were going to compensate me for that. Oh yeah. Good question. Uh, it was the like small, like Jack Russell Terrier, right? Yeah. You seem to be familiar with corpses. Yeah. That dog definitely deserved it. Um, Excuse me. Um, yeah. The, the dog deserved it. Yeah. The dog deserved it. Um, <laughs> uh, so what you, okay. What you probably missed um, cause you're a neglectful dog owner is mm-hmm. that I so had already parked. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yes. And so I had parked in a single location already okay. and, uh, then you unparked the your car to hit my can dog. I finish my story. This is so disrespectful. Oh my God. I'm um, being disrespectful. You killed my dog. And I'm telling you why your dog deserved it. Sir, I are there anything the else in life that people deserve yeah, that I might result in my violence? Car, Okay. And in between the time it took for me to park my car, you know, get all my things together and step out the door, your dog had pooped right where I set my foot as I got out of my car. So I stepped both feet into dog poop. So I did what any reasonable human would do is I wiped it off my shoe best I could, turned back into my car, saw the dog in the parking lot and made a course. I set my course. So tell me your dog didn't deserve it. Um, hi, this is Roger again. I don't think we're gonna be doing that exclusive. I think we got everything we needed. Um, <laughs> and I'm very scared to meet up with you now, especially in okay. dark places where I might deserve something. All right. Well, you know what? That's fine. All right. No more questions. G- g- goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Leave. Nice. Leave. All right, bro. Hey, All right. Uh, it's 75 cent. I'm representing Alex Good. Uh, let's keep them short, keep them quick, and keep them serious. Uh, who's first? All right. Uh, m- my name, my name, Jeff. Um, okay, Jeff, you- what you got? Uh, so we've been uh discussing a lot about Al- uh Alex's loyalty to his sponsors recently, and although we know that Alex has been you know a big Mike's Hard fan for the last dozen years, right? Uh, we have been recently seeing paparazzi photos of him drinking. What can only be described as a concerning number of Trulies recently. And if you yes. could kind of go in depth on that, we'd really appreciate that. Um, he's actually conducting his own study on ED. And it is well known that Mike's hard keeps you hard. And truly okay. seems to counteract all of that. So he's running an independent study. Um, I don't even think, I think this is the first time he's actually ever releasing that information um and so this is not to do with anything in his relationship with mike's hard this is an independent investigation that he's conducting himself um on a so hold study. on so are you implying that alex has ed no 
because Mike's hard keeps you hard. Okay, Next fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, my name is Cynthia, and I work for the League News. And uh, the question that I have is about Alex's uh, loyalty, specifically to his relationship with his mother. Yes. Um, now we've heard a lot about. Now, his which mother are you referring to? See, this is exactly the question I was going to bring up. Is one might think that you know, oh, the mother that raised him, but recently again, we've been seeing paparazzi video even of Alex just finding any woman he can on the street, hoisting them into the air and start yelling, this is my real mom now. Can you go in depth on that a little bit? Well, it is well known that Alex is probably the biggest feminist we know, raised by multiple women and a father, but mostly women. Uh, I don't know if you're referring to Angie, uh, Kathy, Lisa, or Katie, his biological mother. Um, He also has a very close relationship with his sister. Um, So... I think right now, uh, especially from his newfound fortune, uh, he's trying to lift up motherhood and recognize how important it is. So if he sees you on the street recognizing you for being a great mom or uh, being especially nurturing to your child, he would like to adopt you as his mother and take care of you financially. So that is why he's been going around doing that. He's very big into philanthropy right now. And how many moms is he up to now? Um, Believe it or not, we just crossed 39 so one more i think he's planning on releasing a new mom i think that drop is coming <laughs> one august more mom 1st. and he gets another one for free right i think on the, that drop is coming on the august 1st um it's very it's gonna be an exclusive drop i think you have to be invited to that one but he's releasing his new mom um and i think there might be a giveaway so okay, okay. make sure to tune into his website and follow him on Instagram. Uh, hi, my name is Three Pock, and I just wanted nice. to ask that uh, we know that Alex has been a a man of many different uh, talents, and yes. we know that recently he has been trying to delve into uh, the world of music production, mm-hmm. and uh, which is all fine, and we are excited to hear his work. However, we do understand that there has been a little bit of trouble in terms of making sure that he behaves during his studio time. Right. Um, we understand that there's a little bit of mistreatment with the interns, uh, maybe pushing around some of the smaller artists in the for his label. Like, mm-hmm. what what's go what's going on behind the scenes? Um, right now, Alex is trying out a character. Um, I'm sure you all are familiar with method acting. He's a method artist. So, um, he's actually coming out with a three part series in music form as he evolves through his life. So the first part, which is, I'm assuming what you're addressing is a very flirtatious yet aggressive, um, album. So in order to capture that essence in the studio, we have hired some paid actors for him to occasionally mistreat. They've all signed NDAs, although one of them seemed to have told you, so they would be promptly fired and prosecuted, but they all agree, agreed to be treated in the form of artistry and him conducting his art. This is temporary. It's just going to be part one. Uh, his first album is part of this trilogy, um, but this is not him. This does not represent him as a human being. Thank you, though. I appreciate that question. Okay. Any other questions? Um, uh, yeah. Last question. My name is, and I'm with TMZ. And uh, I just wanted to know, we all know that Alex, you know, we've discussed a lot of his philanthropy, his general creative uh, endeavors. Um, but whenever asked about any of this, we always hear it's all tied back to this character. He's working on a character. He's been in character. He's doing right. a character. Mm-hmm. When are we going to see the real Alex? When is the character finally going to drop? Um, We've been filming his life since about 
three, and all that will be released when he dies. There'll be a probably a mini series on all the streaming sites. We've recorded enough film for every individual streaming site to have their own ten part mini series, um, probably hour long episodes. We're currently editing, I think, our second series on his rise. Um, but guess what? You are all in it. So after this, can you please sign this form um, just to make sure you're, you know, releasing questions, not liable for anything that might happen. Um, so you will never see the real him until he's died, and then you will appreciate him for the true artist he is. Thank you very much for all your questions. Um, for the sake of the documentary, we're going to have to, you know, have you sign paperwork. And if you don't sign it, then, I mean, your family's going to be in danger, figuratively and literally. Uh, take that how you will. Um, but thank you very much. I've been 75 cent. Um, have a good day. All right. Good stuff. Hey, someone should hire us for like real PR. Bro, even if it's not true, what I've been saying, his image is getting a lot better. <laughs> I didn't make things worse. I took one PR class and pretty much the whole semester they were like, here's a bunch of PR theory, but at the end of the day, just make your clients look good. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> lie, lie, lie. Deny, deny, deny. Uh, that's PR training. It's a banger. We do it every once in a while. I don't think we've done it since February. It's a good one. It'll be coming back. Don't worry about it. Okay. So for our middle segment, this one, this one's a real Lucy one, but th- we're going to, we're going to be doing another segment of the PG book club because this has been on my mind so much recently and I need to talk about it with someone who can relate to it. Did you ever read the Michigan chillers series of books? I didn't. Um, because there's a Michigan Chillers and American Chillers. Yes, but Michigan Chillers came first. American Chillers was only after the guy was like, "Oh man, I can like, well, this like regional content is pretty successful." Um, I didn't. I read the back of many of the books. Sure, I feel like so, a lot of people did. Yeah, I'm very familiar with like Jonathan Rand and a lot of stuff. I learned about cities. Uh, yeah. I think the first one was the Mega Monsters. Um, and then there's some like, I think there's like Alpina. And I'm like, yeah. didn't know that was a real place. <laughs> so I'm going to, so there are 19 of these books. All right. And we're going to, and I'm just going to rapid fire list all of them. All right. Yep. We can double back on the interesting ones. All right. Mm-hmm. Mayhem on Mackinac Island, Terror Fire. Stalks Traverse City, cool. Poltergeist of Petoskey, Aliens Attack Alpina, Gargoyles of Gaylord, uh, Strange Spirits of St. Ignis, Creepy Clowns of Kalamazoo. All of those words have a K in them, by the way, Mr. Nice. Hand. Could have done a, something a little different about that one. Uh, Dinosaurs Destroy Detroit, Sinister Spiders of Saginaw, Mackinac City Mummies, Mackinac Making the Rounds Again, Great Lakes Ghost Ship, uh, All Sable Alligators, Gruesome Ghouls of Grand Rapids, Bionic Bats of Bay City, Calumet Copper Creatures, Catastrophe in Caseville, A Ghostly Haunting in Grand Haven, and Drummond Island Dogman. And let me tell you, I think I read maybe two of these. <laughs> I didn't read any of them. It doesn't seem like my speed. I also didn't read that. What's that morphing one? The animorphs? animorphs? Bro. Animorphs. Every very. Hold on. We need to talk about this. Animorphs is very different from Michigan Chillers. No, it's all the same Mi- thing. It's series no, that went on very, very, very long. Mm. It's all fantasy, all written by the same. It's just overwhelming. And they take mm. over elementary school libraries. Okay. So... Michigan Chillers was a regional knockoff of Goosebumps. Goosebumps, right? Mm 
Mm-hmm. Animorphs was its own thing. That was like a legitimate fantasy series, and like I understand that like they probably ca- they probably had a very similar demographic, and they're probably in the same of, bookshelf. But in terms of like actual content, very different. Yeah, it's um, just, I'm just on a list of things I didn't read that were very popular. Um, so what kids are reading horror books? And, and how do you write horror for kids? Because right? it can't be too scary because kids, you know, known for their nightmares. Um, so I don't know how this, I mean, I think it's proof in the pudding that you can't do it very much because only three people have done it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like yeah. Arl Stein, Jonathan Rand, and maybe one other dude. And like Stephen King has done some like children's short stories before, but like if he's Stephen King, he can do whatever he wants. Right. So I don't know if it's smart. I am more of a Magic Treehouse guy myself. Yep. Yep. Ooh, man. I read more of those books than I think most people did. Right. And I know a lot of there's also like a Junie B. Jones group as well. And then there's a Captain uh, Captain Underpants group as well. I was also in that group. And then the newer age are all Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, yeah. So like well, we say segments. newer age. That's let's be clear. Well, the newer fact that they're still coming out. We were out. in elementary school. Yeah, but I mean, I remember when those came out, so that's yes, for sure. Um, and I remember waiting for them. Um, but like those are all different segments. But the thriller for kids seemed the most inappropriate. Like, what are we doing? This seems unnecessary. What's this demographic? It's the kind of they're the kind of books that you had to get at school because anybody that would take you to the public library would be like, "Don't get that book. Don't do that. You're not gonna like it." Also, I don't know if they're good books you know yeah and i also i'm looking at this website you know if i wanted to buy them and most of them are like 3.99 right about as much as you would expect for like a for like a hundred page kids book right and then some of them are more expensive and i don't know if it's because they are lower in stock or if the the city just has more street cred than others (laughs) like uh the grand rapids book is 459 why the bay city one is 549 i think the stuff has to be more expensive right that would make it's not no the grand rapids and bay city ones are some of the more recent ones or some of the last ones I mean, Grand Rapids makes sense because it's a bigger city. But I mean, how many? What's Al- Alpina? Can you look that up? Um, Alpina is the three ninety nine one. Is one of the three ninety nine ones. Yeah, that makes sense. Detroit's got to be more expensive. Nope, that one's another three ninety nine one. It's completely <laughs> random. Then it's completely it's com- random. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? It's because I'm on Thrift Books, so these are all physical copies of books. Also, shout out Thrift Books. Love that site. Yeah. So I just, I just, I wanted to bring attention to this incredibly niche book series that I have only vague memories of. And that if you were to bring it up to me three years ago, you could have convinced me that you had made it up or that I had made it up. Right. It's just a figment of your imagination. And then, you know, this dude went on to write American thriller books, which like, stay in your lane, Mr. Rand. Come on. Yes. Yeah, oh, so you're well-traveled now? With that Michigan chiller money. (laughs) And do you know what? The first American chiller was one set in Michigan. It's My guy. That's cheating. It's cheating. He's like, I'm using my money from my previous books to tap into what I know. It's it's whack. But you know, I'm a I bet you him and his family are set for life. This is generational wealth we're talking about, something we know nothing about. 
I'm looking at this dude's website, theamericanchillers.com, and this was a website that was built in 2004 and hasn't been updated since. Let Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It oh, it oh this like hurts to look at uh it's like if the scholastic book fair was like stayed in 2003 oh my god dude this, this is hurts. a very very niche conversation we're having right now it you really have, is this is like a early 2000s like were you in elementary school from 2003 to 2010 because you'll know what we're talking about and there's gonna be a little yeah. overlap before and a little overlap after, but not much. Yeah. So that's the that that's Michigan Chillers and American Chillers. I just wanted to bring up a fun childhood memory. Alex, what's our one hit wonder? Our one hit wonder is called "But Have You Tried?" I'm gonna pull a bunch of random adjectives, and I'm gonna come up with something that describes those. For instance, like, um, boy, oh boy, did I already forget how this segment works? This is why <laughs> I need to write out examples. Oh, some something like. Nothing is more delightful than coming home and having your kid give you a hug. And then you would follow it up with, but have you tried? And then you're going to come up with an amazing scenario that would be more delightful. Okay. Okay. Trying to figure out how seriously I want to take this segment. We'll take turns. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to use a randomizer, but they're just adjectives. Okay. So you can come up with your own. Um, I'm going to say nothing is more worthless than when you go out and get your car washed and on the way back from the car wash, it starts raining. Okay, you know, that's fair. That's fair. That is pretty worthless. Um, But have you ever tried going to three different colleges and not getting a useful degree from any of them? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um... Nothing is more sinister than actively plotting someone being fired and divorced. You know, that's pretty sinister. But have you tried going into a high school and interfering with people's love life? Like, for instance, they're asking for a phone number from a girl they really respect. And then her boyfriend or love interest gives you his number and then proceeds to mess and toy with your emotions for over a week. I think we are. I think we are broadly. I think we are blowing past some very important details from that scenario. But you're right. That is pretty sinister. Dude, nothing is more burly than when you're going camping in the mountains and some lumberjack knocks on your door and asks if you want any fresh firewood he just got done cutting up. That's pretty burly. But if you had, but have you tried having sex with that lumberjack that's offering you wood? Golly, because <laughs> that's pretty burly. <laughs> okay, I see you. Um, nothing is more necessary than understanding your role in society in both a grand and minute scale. Dude, that's pretty necessary. But have you tried filing your taxes when you know you're going to get a refund of over $10,000 because you've been neglecting to do your taxes correctly for the past couple of years? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That would be pretty necessary. <laughs> Nothing would be more greasy than a pig covered in grease eating bacon. <laughs> Soaked in grease <laughs> while on a hot summer day, making them extra sweaty and greasy. Shout out these adjectives, bro. This is truly random. 
You know, uh, that's pretty greasy, but uh, have you ever met a politician? Am I right? Ooh. Am I right? Am I right? Shout Politician out Joe. Giuliani. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, I've never seen someone's hair melt off their face before. Shout out Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's pretty nimble? What? Uh, <laughs> watching the mental gymnastics. <laughs> Someone has to do when being disgusted about the trailer for Bros and then immediately watch a two and a half hour movie about Elvis and somehow justify both of those things in their head. That's pretty nimble. But have you tried coming up with a podcast segment halfway through the podcast and trying to make it related (laughs) to what you've done before? All right, we'll wrap this up with, uh, do you know what's pretty helpless when you have to come up with all three segments for a podcast and your partner shows up 30 minutes late, half in the bag, trying to figure out what movie we were supposed to have watched already? You know, that is pretty helpless. Um, uh, but do you know what's more helpless? What? Getting locked out of your car and uh, you know that your parents have a spare set of keys, but they're halfway, you know, they're on the other side of town and they're out to dinner and you decide that it's better to not bother them. So instead you spend $100 on a locksmith that takes 45 minutes to show up and your insurance doesn't cover it, even though you thought it did and you submitted a receipt and you never even heard anything back. That's pretty helpless, Craig. It's pretty helpless. That's pretty helpless. Well, that concludes our one-hit wonder, but have you tried? And if you liked it, congratulations. You witnessed greatness. And if you hated it, don't worry. It's never coming back. Uh, you ready to free ball? Do you have anything Anything you watched recently? I finished season five of Archer. And tonight, yes. I will start the fourth season of The Boys. And That's the, not possible. The third season of the boys (laughs) um so i just finished archer vice the fifth season now that i'm watching it for like the second time i understand why people think this is where the fall off is because episode for episode it's not as interesting and the dynamics they have it's just like hey we should come up with some content let's just make lana pregnant and not talk about who the dad is the entire season let's make pam hot um, let's keep paralyzing and unparalyzing one of their coworkers and let's add another love interest for Mallory. Actually screw the love interest. Let's just make her fall in love with everybody. And it's, it's getting to a point where it's annoying where like, we know whether who each of these characters are, let's keep throwing them in new situations. But I know I have like a bunch more seasons of this and they can't all go on like this. Yeah. It's, I, it's not a bad season. But I can tell it's it's the beginning of the end. <laughs> Which is wild, because you are not even halfway. Not even halfway. I'm hoping it gets better. Um, we're still in the 12-episode seasons. In the second half, they're all eight-episode seasons. Um, yeah. But we'll see how it goes. Or 10 or something like that. I'm always a fan of the inside jokes, and they're starting to bring those back. They'll be like, hey, remember that one time we went to space? And you're like, oh, that was a season and a half ago. I'm glad we're calling back to that. Because it's funny. It rewards you for binging and remembering. It rewards you for sticking through it. 
Um, so I'm hoping there's more inside jokes. There's more phrasing. There's more. That's how you get ants. I like that stuff. I Yeah, I felt that way, too. And then I got to about season eight and then that bell curve went the other direction. Yeah. And I'm and I'm like and then just every episode is like, how many times can we bring up ants? Right. So we're still on the on the uh, on the upswing incline. Yes. Yeah. Before we haven't hit the the decline yet. Um, but it's good. I it's one of those things that I can't watch it in public because there are some scenes that would be weird to be seen it, watching it's on my phone. Just raunchy enough to where you're like kind of questioning. Be like, it. this I is supposed to be funny. Like- if you guys could hear this, this is funny. But now that you're watching it, it makes me feel weird, so I can't watch it. I felt that way. I was watching season three of You, uh, like in an oh, airport yeah. once, and I'm like, I I probably shouldn't be doing be this. Like, this is a murder story and a little bit of like a romance, but like what you're seeing is not indicative of the show, you know? Yeah. Like, there's more violence than. This. It's one of those things where like I get that there might be some sexual tension, but trust me, there's violence. Don't worry, it's it's just violent. <laughs> I mean, like, it feels like... Don't worry. It's going to get violent soon. Yeah. The way, like, America works is, like, I would rather watch a bunch of people get killed than get caught watching, like, a sexual tension scene where there's candles and dry humping. It just feels weird. So I'm just like, don't worry. Someone's going to die soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You'll have to let me know what you think of season three of The Boys because, um, you know, I've been outspoken about how I'm not a big fan of it. You know, the analogy is about as subtle as a jackhammer and the episodes are paced very poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if if season three is good, I've I've been hearing good things about it. So um, I'm excited to hear what you say about it. Um, The only thing that I have is I watched. Are you familiar with the movie Clerks? No, but I heard they're just uh, releasing a new one. Yeah, it's in so, production. Yeah, so um, Clerks is the first movie um, made by Kevin Smith, who would who um, kind of started his own little cinematic universe that includes uh, Chasing Amy, some Jay and Silent Bob movies, and it all starts with Clerks. It's a textbook definition of a cult classic comedy. Where, you know, this movie was filmed with $12 and a Subway sandwich. All of the cast was this guy's, like, this guy's friends. They shot it at the convenience store he worked at and would sh- and would shoot there after they had closed for the day. And, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, definition of an indie movie. And it launched Kevin Smith's career. And it's one of those... <sighs> The best way to describe it is it's very, like, season one, Always Sunny, where it's very dialogue-based, very little actually happens, and the comedy is based in the absurdity of the characters. So, the premise of the movie is this guy gets called into work at this convenience store on a day that he's not supposed to be there. And while he's there, he has to deal with the regular monotony of working at a convenience store and also some general absurdities that he would not have had to deal with if he wasn't there. Gotcha. And and so it's one of those, it, it's almost a series of sketches, the way the movie is segmented, where some customers will come in, they'll do a bit, and then the movie moves on. And then they'll do another bit with his girlfriend. And then it moves on. It's it's just a series of dialogue-heavy bits. I feel and, like this is one of the things where they wrote the bit and they're like, all right, how do we fit this in the show? Yeah. So 
if that's not your thing, then you're going to hate this movie. If you because this movie is not interesting by any sense of the definition. It is just it is pure comedy. And sometimes the comedy is some of the funniest things I've heard. Like there's just like 45 seconds of this dude listing porno titles on the phone with a mom and her daughter on the other side of the counter. And for some reason that was, that was just the funniest bit of dialogue that I had heard in a long time. And then there are other scenes where it's like, wow, this scene cannot be over fast enough. And, and it's just, it's one of those movies where the the good stuff hits really hard and the bad stuff doesn't. I give it a flat seven. It's a cult comedy and it has that style to it. And so that's just kind of what you got to know going into it. Do you see yourself watching the future ones? Yeah, definitely. It, okay. It's because I think that Kevin Smith is a very interesting film personality. You know, he's very involved in the film community, kind of like doing IMDb interviews and stuff like that. So um, very, he's like the bridge between like nerd culture and film culture. And so he has a lot of respect from both sides of the industry. And mm-hmm. so I want to watch his movies just for that sake is, you know, he's a very oh. well-respected figure and I want to watch those movies. I appreciate that. Good reference and uh, wreck because I would have never, I don't know anything about it. So yeah. So again, it's one of those movies where like, don't feel bad if you bail 30 minutes in, but you should give it 30 minutes. Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, Alex, what's the last movie that we're wrapping up in uh, Jackie July? We're watching The Foreigner. Came out in 2017. So we've been sticking way early in his career and we're leaping forward 20 years to see kind of like where he ended up. He's still coming out with new movies. This is like one of the last ones he ever did in America in English. He's doing a lot of Chinese film now. Um, I've seen it already. I saw it in theaters actually, um, but we're going to wrap it up. Cause I think it's a good, not, I wouldn't say bookend, but it's a definitely a milestone in his career. Yeah. I remember watching the trailer for this movie and being like, Oh, Jackie Chan is still making movies. Cause yeah, I remember, sick. cause I remember when he did like some kids comedies in like the early 2010s like the spy next door stuff like that right and then he and then you know the foreigner came out and i'm like oh this is that guy yeah it just seems a lot more serious it feels like he's coming into his own this might it's a lot less comedic if comedic at all than his earlier stuff so it's just a different tone for the month and i'm I'm excited to watch it yeah i'm very excited but that's next week uh for now my name is craig wells aka permanent handle And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. (laughs) 